Hey friends, you're listening to the Student Ministry Sermon Podcast from First Christian Church. Our hope is that these words bless you, lead you closer to Jesus, and help you follow Him more faithfully. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy. For those of you that haven't been here, we've been doing a series that Josh and I wrote together called What Are You Known For? And our goal is to look at stories throughout Acts and the early church, look at stories throughout history, and look at stories in our own lives to be able to figure out what are we known for, what do we want to be known for, and how that information can be used to make our relationships with each other, with ourselves, and with God thrive. I love stories. I think stories are the best way to communicate, and the Bible is chock full of them. I think the stories can give us wisdom, and they can be vessels for God. Job chapter 12, verse 12 says, Is not wisdom found among the age? Do not long lives grant wisdom. And so we're going to take that advice from the Bible, and we're going to look at these stories to discuss tonight transparency. I met this girl not that long ago, which is always the worst beginning to a sentence, because usually it's followed by whatever mistake I made that made things not go well. But this girl was, for lack of a better word, she was perfect. I mean, everything you could possibly want in a girl that you're interested in. I mean, she was beautiful, she was smart, she was funny, she was kind. And I thought, I have a great opportunity here. I better not mess this up. So I took that age-old advice of be yourself, and I thought, well, what if I do the exact opposite of that? And I act like not myself at all because I know myself and nobody's going to like that guy. So when she said that she found something funny, I said I found that funny. When she told me a story, I said that's interesting. When she asked me about any fact about myself, I exaggerated it to the nth degree. And for first impressions, let me tell you, playing a character works fantastic. Whoever tells you that lying for a first impression isn't a good idea, well, they're wrong in one sense because that first impression, you can make it killer. I came across like the coolest guy on earth. And I liked her, and she liked me, or at least the character I was playing, who was pretty cool. But try playing a character on second impressions, third impressions, fourth impressions, fifth impressions, so on, and you'll see that it doesn't work. Because you get to a point in the relationship where, you know, you're done asking questions like, what's your favorite color, and what was your home life like as a kid? And then they want to spend time with you. They want to go get dinner, they want to go sit on the beach, they want you to spend money on whatever. And they have to get to know you because you got two options at that point. You can disappoint them by outing yourself as a liar or you can disappoint yourself every day by having to expend all your energy on playing this version of yourself that doesn't exist. It's odd to... Microphone. Am I good now? My mic's... All... Do you want me to just yell? Can you guys all hear me? Oh, they're going to give me a handheld, which is what I wanted from the beginning. Oh, my God. Can I get a round of applause for our tech team? You'll never find. Okay, it works. All right, cool. All right, where was I? Okay, we were talking about vulnerability. So anyways, I lied to this girl that I really, really liked, which is never a good idea. Ladies, I'm sure you guys can agree with me that if a guy lies to you, that's not, a, that's not something that makes you really like the guy. Lying is usually not a fantastic idea. But I have trouble being vulnerable like that. I don't know about you guys, but I didn't come from a home where people were particularly emotional. I mean, the most emotion that I saw out of my parents was my dad dropping an F-bomb when the car didn't work or my mom crying when cutting onions. And that was about as much emotion as we showed, right? Because my family philosophy that I still kind of carry with me in some unfortunate ways is if you have an emotion, bottle it up inside you. And then one day, 80 years from now, you'll die. And you'll never have to process that emotion. 
And uh, it's not as healthy as I wish it was, but it's sort of what I carried with me. And so with this girl, I thought, this girl makes me happy. But that's an emotion. I don't want to process that. So I'm just going to bottle that up and uh, pretend that I am who she wants me to be, and then it'll go great. And then hopefully I'll die before she figures it out. That did not happen. She figured it out. It's weird to me that everyone here, no matter how cool you play it, wants love and feels a lacking of love in different areas of their life, whether that's you want a boyfriend or girlfriend, or you wish your mom and dad loved you like you love them, or it's other family or other friends, or it's you feel like God doesn't like you or you don't like yourself. It's weird to me that all of us, without failure, want love, and we know that transparency is required for love, but then we're dishonest. Because that's just assuring the failure of that love. That's poisoning the relationship. As long as the lie lives, you'll never escape it. And so with that girl, I have to just go forward knowing that my lie messed things up. That love failed because of that. 1 John chapter 3, verse 18, Let us love not in words or speech, but in action and truth. It's easy to distort the truth with words. Which I probably shouldn't be saying since I'm giving a sermon. But... It's a lot harder to distort the truth with your actions every day. And so in Acts, we discussed kindness last week. Josh talked about the kindness that was shown in the gatherings of the early church. But today we're going to look at something bad that went on in the early church. A story that's not as fun to talk about, but is just as critical. And so if you guys want to follow along with me, we'll be reading out of Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 10. So, Josh discussed kindness last week. And so there was a guy in the church early on who had a piece of property. And he decided, I'm going to sell this property, I'm going to take the money from it, and I'm going to give it all to the church. He didn't have to do that, but it was just what he felt was the right thing. So he did so, and the people in the church celebrated him. They thought he was a great guy, and they celebrated that virtue. They said, God calls us to be generous, God calls us to be kind, and you did it. You followed through with what God called us to. There was another couple in the church, wealthy They had resources, they were leaders in the church, and their names were Ananias and Sapphira. And they had a piece of property, and they thought, ooh, that would make us look great if we sold that property and gave the money to the church. Everyone would point at us and they'd say, see those people right there? Those are perfect people. Those are great people. Those people are cooler than me. I'd sell my kids to get to spend a moment with those people. Maybe not. I don't know if they said that part. And so they decided they were going to sell that property and then give the coin to the church. But there was one small hang-up, which was even though they wanted that image of being perfect, they also wanted some of that money. And so they decided, well, what if we just give part of the money, keep the rest, and then say we gave all of it? That'll help our image. That'll make us look perfect. And sure, we're lying to God, but who cares? That's fine, right? Because we so much so want to look a certain way. And it's obviously not a good idea to lie to God, but we read out of Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 10. Now, a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Keep in mind, this is at a point in history when, you know, it's not like today where we're reading from Scripture and there's things that we can point to that sometimes seem miraculous, but there are things at this point in time that are undoubtedly miracles. The Pentecost has taken place. And only at maximum a few years before Christ died on the cross. The apostles are still communicating with God in a very obvious, direct way. And they knew this. The couple knew that. But they so badly wanted to look a certain way. They so badly wanted to cover up any failures and faults and appear perfect 
they decided to lie to God, the all-knowing creator of the universe, which is about as smart as it sounds. God told Peter what he knew, the apostle Peter. He told Peter what would happen after this. And so Peter called Ananias forward. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before the property was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? I'm going to let that paper drop. You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who had heard what had happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. So not only was Ananias so obsessed with his image that he was willing to lie to God, to the all-powerful creator of the universe, but then comes his wife. About three hours later, his wife came in not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that's the price. And so Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in, and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. So a lot of people have heard that story, and they've thought, oh, I understand that story. God wanted money. They wouldn't give it to him, and so God killed him. But that's not what happened. God is not acting as a repo man or some sort of loan shark. God didn't want their coin. Sure, the coin could have done good for the church. But Peter clearly states, you could have kept the coin for yourself. You could have kept the property for yourself. You could have given part of the property or part of the coin, and we would have been happy with that too. What God wanted was relationships with everyone in that church. And Ananias and his wife decided that instead of having a relationship with God, they wanted to lie and use God as a way to bolster their own reputation. He gave them love, he gave them hope, he gave them his life only a few years before on the cross, and they decided that to look good, they would lie to him and use him. It's so weird to me, because the church is a place where one of our core tenets is that no one is ever enough all the time, that no one is always good, no one is always perfect. We know that. But then the church seems to be the place culturally where we've decided everybody has to appear perfect. And we have to lie, and we have to be the least vulnerable we could possibly be because we need to appear perfect before God and everyone else here, even though we know that's not the case. And people will gravitate to the church to use it as a costume. There's televangelists, there's preachers, there's influencers who have decided to take the Word of God and use it to cover themselves up to look perfect, to bolster their reputation. The Word of God isn't a tool to distort who you are. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. A relationship requires transparency, and if we will not be transparent with each other here at the church and with God, that relationship will fail without doubt. Every time it will fail. So, age-old question of the sermon, right? Why does this matter? Why am I talking about transparency here? Why couldn't I post this on social media? Why couldn't I just give you a flyer on your way out? A, a personal tragic hero of mine, I don't know exactly why, has always been Van Gogh, the artist. And, and I guess it makes sense the more I think about it. I have kind of a camaraderie with him because, I mean, he loved art, I love art. 
He's someone who had a turbulent but devout relationship with God, and that's always sort of how I felt, and with people around him. He was difficult. He struggled with mental illness and physical health. These are all things that I connected with him on. And, I, you know, I have some of his letters from when he was about my age all the way until he died. And I was reading him, and something I learned that I didn't know was that he wanted to be a preacher before he became an artist. And he tried the whole big church thing, you know, stained glass, goblets, statues, all of that. But they didn't like him. They didn't like his mood swings. They thought he was impractical. They thought he was prone to flights of fancy, and they kicked him out. So he said, okay, that's fine. I don't need a cathedral to be a preacher. So he slept on a mat in the cold, and he preached to the poor, and to the prostitutes, and to the widows, and to the orphans. But he got beat down. His health faded. He fell apart. And he turned to art. Because art couldn't reject him like the Christians around him did. And he had one person in his corner. That's who he wrote all these letters to. It was his brother, Theo. And I was amazed reading these letters because even though I knew what happened to Vincent, I was reading his brother's letters to him and he knew what Vincent was doing. He knew Vincent was drinking he knew Vincent was chain-smoking. All he ate every day was a slice of bread, and then he would call it good, and then wonder why his stomach was growling at night. He knew Vincent was a, an alcoholic with psychotic episodes and epilepsy and all these different things. He knew his life wasn't going well. But he kept asking his brother to just be honest with him. Because he said, look, I don't always agree with what you're doing, but I love you, and I can't help you if you're not honest with me. If you're not transparent with me, I can't help you to be the Christian that you want to be, to be the family member that you want to be, to be the artist that you want to be. And I know people who will talk about Van Gogh and they'll say that the reason that he put out great art is because of his suffering. And that's not the case in my opinion. I think his suffering would have made him collapse years before if it weren't that he had that one person in his ring, in his corner, who was supporting him, who was telling him that he saw good in him. So that's why this matters. Because let me tell you, you have an opportunity here tonight and every Wednesday night and actually every night of the week. Because there's no gathering like this anywhere else. I mean, you have your family and you have your friends. But this, look, I think I got the number tonight. There's like 94 people here tonight, student-wise. We are all family in Christ. We're all connected. And you know what that means? That means that you can talk to each other about things. That means you can be vulnerable. You can be transparent. And we can say to each other, I won't always condone what you're doing, and I won't always do right myself, but by God, I will always love you. I will always support you. That's what we have an opportunity to do here tonight. And that's why I think that this story is important of Ananias, the story of Van Gogh. All of it's pointing to this idea that uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3-4, through 4, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from him. So we know what happened to Vincent. We know that there was that tragic ending. But the reason that there was any good before it is because he had someone that he could be honest with about his pain. He had someone who loved him. And I know that it seems odd that someone would be here tonight that can do that for you, but it's the truth that we can do that for each other. We can be honest with each other. We can be transparent. God punishes Ananias and Sapphira not because he wants their money but because he's setting the standard from early on that the church isn't a place to come and look perfect. Christianity isn't a badge to mark you as perfect. Christianity is confessing, admitting, I know the worst of me. 
I know that I'm not always enough. But I can be the best of me because of God's grace. And I can be empowered by God. So that's why this transparency matters and that's why we're talking about it. What are you known for? The title of the series. There's things I'm known for by certain people that I'm not happy about. There's regrets I have. There's disappointments I have inflicted upon myself and others, oftentimes because I was thrashing against who I am, ignoring reality, and lying, thinking that it would make things go away. Have you ever thought that idea of, um, I wish they could see me now? You'll think that about someone that you disappoint or you let down. And I'll think that sometimes. And then I realize that what I'm really thinking is that I wish I could see them now so I could do the things I didn't do and I could say the things I didn't say. And that symptom will follow you in every relationship if you're not honest and if you're not transparent. And I don't want you to have that here tonight. I don't want you to think years from now about people here, I wish I could see them now so I could say what I didn't say and do what I didn't do. So we can have regrets and life can dig them up. But at least we can know that we're coming forward and being honest and saying I'm a sinner. I don't always do right. But I have love in my heart. I love God. He loved me first. And we can talk about that. And we can work through that pain. And so tonight, I would ask you to do two things. I would ask you, if you have something, anything you need to talk about, whether it's what you had for breakfast or what's killing you, to talk about it. You're not going to waste anyone's time. I mean, we're all stuck here anyways, right? Captive audience. Talk about that thing. So many things that would have been fixed so much faster for me if I just talked about it. And the second thing I would ask you to do is to be a friend who cultivates transparency and uplifts people and uplifts honesty. Because sometimes someone will tell you something and there will be a time to say, that hurts me. You're not doing the right thing. But first and foremost, what we need to say is, is we need to say, thank you for telling me. This is the place to say these things. So we can work through them, so we can grow. We are called to be better by God, but we're also called in grace to step out of the lies and to step out of the darkness. We can admit what's going on. We can be real about who we are. That's what I learned from that story, and I hope that you'll carry it with you because that's a bit of wisdom that'll get you really far in every relationship in your life with yourselves, with each other, and with God. That's my spiel for tonight. I think we're going to have worship come up in a second. But I'm going to lead us in prayer as the worship comes up and gets set up. And if you have something you need to talk about and you just still don't feel like you can talk to another student, talk to your leaders, talk to me. I'm stuck here till nine. I'm clocked in. I'll sit and talk with you. For real. Okay, so I'm going to lead us in prayer. Our worship team's going to come up. And uh, I hope you guys will actually get something out of what I talked about tonight. Heavenly Father, it's hard to be vulnerable. It's hard to be real. It's hard to be transparent. Because our natural reaction is to not be honest. If we want people to know us for a specific thing, we think, well, I'll just lie about it. I'll just stretch the truth. But that never works. You don't call us to lie. You know who we are. You know what we do. And so instead, what we need to do is we need to come before you, come before each other, and say, this is who I am. This is what I do. I'm going to be better. You're going to empower me to do that. I'm going to continue to love you and love those around me. So tonight, Father God, I pray that our groups are able to have real discussion and that they're able to come before you. 
And anything I said that's of me, cast it out. Anything that's of you, let it stick with them. In your son's name, amen.